Hello and welcome to the A440 Podcast, the one music podcast everyone can get in tune with. I'm your host, Charles Fiore, and it's been a minute. Look, first off, I want to apologize for how long it's been between seasons. It's been just over a year between the end of season two and this, the beginning of season three. But it's been a year. Uh, If you've read the news at all, you may have noticed there's a lot going on in the world. And with me, who has uh, two small children home 24-7 now, finding the mental space uh, and time necessary to write and plan a podcast season, much less find time to record interviews and intros such as this, uh, finding that time, that time has been at a premium. And we, while we've all experienced uh, the pandemic differently, each one of us, while we're all sort of suffering in our own individual ways, I can say for myself that I have never been busier and not necessarily busy all the time in a good way. So I offer that by way of explanation and apology. I apologize for taking so long between seasons, but that's what's been going on. The other thing, of course, that's been going on is I have a new novel out, Coyote Loop, available now from any independent bookstore near you or on Amazon.com. I write under the name L.C. Fiore. The novel is Coyote Loop, and I'd love for you to check it out. I'm very excited about this uh, season three, which I am calling now a mini season. We're going to have four episodes, the first two of which I sort of feel uh, really encapsulate what the A440 podcast is all about. Not too long into the pandemic, filmmaker, Bahamian native, and my friend for over 20 years now, Matthew McCoy and I, got to talking about the band The Counting Crows. Now, Matt and I shared a deep passion uh, for The Counting Crows. It was one of the things that actually brought us together as friends uh, way back in the day. And we got to talking about this band and realized there was an album out uh, that we hadn't heard. So we decided to get together on Zoom and uh, have a a listening party to check out this album, this Counting Crows album we hadn't heard. Now, for those of you, there may be those of you out there who, uh, for who the name Counting Crows means absolutely nothing, or maybe sparks a little part of your brain that remembers it, uh, that band from growing up, hearing a song on the radio or at parties. The Counting Crows are probably best known for their 1993, 1994 hit song, Mr. Jones, on the album August and Everything After. The other single on that album, there were a couple, but... uh, Another single on that album was the song Round Here. You may have heard the song A Long December off their second album, Recovering the Satellites, that was popular in the late 90s. And for the song Colorblind off their album This Desert Life, which also appeared on the movie Cruel Intentions. Other hits include Einstein on the Beach and a cover of Joni Mitchell's Big Yellow Taxi. Uh, so some, those are some of the Counting Crows songs you may have heard. The lead singer, of course, Adam Duritz. And so hopefully this kind of puts Counting Crows in context for you for this upcoming conversation I'm going to have uh, with my good friend, Matt. So Matt and I get into the details uh, in the episode itself. And we also talk about our respective admiration and uh, for the Counting Crows and uh, the issues we've had with them over the years. 
So I won't get into that too much now, but what I will say is that after we listened to the album we hadn't heard before, we we agreed that there were probably maybe two to four songs on that album that were really even listenable. The rest was basically garbage. And we both realized that basically since uh, their album, This Desert Life, most of what they put out was of fairly questionable quality. So we decided to each individually make a playlist and we set up certain parameters for ourselves. And this playlist would then represent a Counting Crows album had they just put all the good songs from the last four albums on one album. That's what that playlist would be. So Matt and I made our individual playlists and then compared. Uh, those playlists, of course, are available on the website, a440pod.com. And you can check them out. You can uh, you can see what we had in common. You can see where we differed. You can see, you know, you can decide for yourself who uh, who, who has a better sense of flow uh, in their playlist. Very important. But we had a lot of fun, basically, uh, making these two playlists, creating a Counting Crows album uh, using songs from their last four uh, releases. Now, you may believe that spending over an hour uh, deep diving into a pop rock band like the Counting Crows is you know, needlessly nerdy and excessive, and that the Counting Crows probably don't warrant that uh, amount of scrutiny. And you may be right. I am not going to argue that. But what I will say is this. It's a pandemic, first of all. There are no rules. And, you know, despite how busy I am, I have a lot of evenings free all of a sudden. So really nothing better to do. And it was a joy, to be honest, uh, to, to put these uh, playlists together and to think so hard about this band uh, that I used to love so much. But what I discovered in the process of putting these episodes together is that these episodes ultimately ask very big questions. For example, should we expect artists to grow and evolve in the same way that we ourselves grow and evolve as people? Is that too much to ask of our artists? Are audiences a fixed thing? You know, do, does the audience, does the target demographic remain the same for artists, individual artists, even as the individual members of that audience age out? You know, for example, the Counting Crows are still writing songs for mildly depressed, girl-shy, intellectual boys between the ages of 16 and 24, and they've been writing for that audience for the last 25 years, even as, uh, hopefully, most of us have, you know, eventually shifted out of that demographic. Still, that demographic exists. Why hasn't Adam Duritz evolved as a songwriter, as an artist? Is that a fair thing to expect from our artists? Does the steadily deteriorating quality of everything they've put out since uh, recovering the satellites diminish the power and artistry of those first two albums, August and Everything After especially? Or will those albums always remain in perpetuity an example of absolute musical genius, despite whatever happens after. Certainly the artists I admire now do grow and evolve and challenge themselves. I'm thinking just, you know, off the top of my head of uh, a band like the Decemberists who have certainly grown in their songwriting and subject matter as their audience has aged. Modest Mouse, Picasso, who had many periods, thinking of the novelist Stuart O'Nan. There are many, many examples. Some artists, I suppose, find their wheelhouse and just keep hammering away at it. And that's okay. That may even be, as you'll hear, uh, the happier, more sane route. Other artists are maybe never satisfied. They want to keep growing, keep experimenting. 
even to the point of diminishing returns on their art on their output, you know. Still, I think I'd rather see an artist challenge themselves and evolve and try to change than, you know, keep doing the same thing for 25 years. Anyway, hope very much that you enjoy these next two conversations. So the next two episodes are parts one and two of a conversation with filmmaker Matthew McCoy about the Counting Crows. Hope you enjoy. So Matt, like this whole thing started right after the um, the shelter in place order. We thought we'd do like a Zoom meetup, right? And then, um, and we you, we because you hadn't heard neither one of us had heard like the quote unquote new Counting Crows album, Somewhere Under Wonderland. But it was like turned out that it was like four years old, or we, we just hadn't heard it yet. So I think I think it's it's funny because I there's two albums really, and three if you count the the covers that. Right. I just was not even aware of totally. Yeah. And I think I, I mean, I almost checked out like after like Einstein on the beach or whatever, what, what, what's what album was that? That that was, was that this desert life or whatever? Maybe. I'm not sure. I, I I think that the, the counting crows just kind of, they just kind of kept doing their thing and I stopped listening, you know, like, (laughs) you know, like I, I don't know that. I think it's, almost to a lot of people would be shocking that they're still making music. Right. Not shocking, but just like, Oh yeah, those guys are making music. Yeah. And like in a, in a different way than like, um, some bands have that like nostalgia thing going on. Like when you go see big head Todd, the monsters, like you have no expectation that you're going to hear new music. Like everything you're going to hear was written before 1998, you know, and that's okay. That's great. You know, but the County Crows have actually continued to make new music, right. The whole time, you know, that's, that's, what's crazy. So, so tell me about the first time you heard the Counting Crows. Do you remember? I mean, do you remember the first time? I mean, maybe. I, 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 I guess it must have been at a party, you know, like I must have been 15 or something. And, and I, think, I think that's a part of it is, is that it's very impressionable music, right? Like if you're at that age in life and, and you're like, you know, maybe maybe starting to notice women and, and especially if they're not noticing you, you know, like that, that music maybe relates a little bit stronger, but there's also something cinematic about it. That, that first album that I really enjoyed, like there's a sense of this epic sadness, you know, like, and I, I'm not sure that everybody likes that. Um, and, and I guess some people would say that, that, you know, the lead singer, Adam Dirtz there is maybe a little whiny. Um, and I, I never, I never found that with that first album. You know, I, I, I dug it. But the opposite dude, he was like, I mean, like he was, the songs were sad and like, but they also just kind of felt like he was just like laying down truth, you know? So like, there's a difference between like being realistic, like realist and bleak, like he, which was kind of August, August and everything after, and or just being like, a whiny baby, which is maybe, you know, what, you know, what's happened since maybe or something. And I think there are moments on that album, you know, I think, I think it does a great job of being, it's got this feeling of melancholia, but then there's like these moments, like, I think everyone knows Mr. Jones and that's a rock and tune, but the last song in particular, I've always loved. I think it's a great, great way to end the album, you know, which is, what, which is what song, what track is it? It's a murder of one. Murder of one. Um, and I always felt like it, it really kind of, 
it came out on a high note, you know, and I, I thought that was kind of cool. It felt it, I mean, the band, the band gets its name from the lyrics in that song, right? Isn't that true? It seems like it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, well, you know, it's, well, it's that it's a poem or something, right? I stood there right. counting crows, right? So. Would it be, would it be worse if they worked their band name into the song or would it be worse if they, they took their, it'd be better for them to take the song, the band name from the song. I think by a mile, like a, by a long shot. Like, I mean, I, mean, I think, I think that's, it would be way better. I don't actually know, but I'm hoping that they took this band name from the song. Yeah. Then just <laughs> like work it in. Let's give it that one. Let's give them that one. It's a, it's a, yeah. Cause what kind of person would you be if you like, you worked your own name into every sentence or a thing, you know what I mean? I think, I think you would be like a, uh, I think hip hop guys can do it. <laughs> that's right. I mean, like Shaggy does it. I mean, he's yeah. not hip hop. He's, he's Jamaican, but he does it yeah, right. Like, true. He's always saying shaggy in his songs. They get a pass on like the on like talking about themselves in the third person, you know. But, <laughs> yeah. but I don't think else. I don't think Counting Crows does. <laughs> they do not get a pass on that. <laughs> no. um, but I, I definitely remember. I remember both things. I remember hearing because Mr. Jones was a single on August and everything after. I remember exactly where I was when like that came on the radio, like the Frog in uh, Cincinnati, and like I was like, my God, it's a cool song, you know. So I went and bought the cassette tape, and then it was. December, I think it was snowing outside. And because I remember putting that cassette tape in my car and then like hearing the first track, which is round here, you know, and like um just being like, oh my God, like what are these lyrics? Because I mean lyrically, like they were like nothing on the radio right then. Like they were, I mean, like they were because you had like the gym blossoms and or whatever, you know, you had like, you know, um that song What's Up that uh, you know, like just like not good music. And then the counting crows just like bust out with that round here, you know, and step out the front door like it goes into a fog where no one notices the contrast of white on white. And you're like, oh my God, like what is this music, you know, and just floored me. I was, I was, I was hooked from the very first time I heard that song, you know. I, w- I would agree. I, I think round here is really just something like that. If they do nothing else, like literally if they just disappeared after writing that song, you'd still be like, you, you, it'd almost be like a better band, you know. Yeah. Like you'd be like, "Holy crap, who were those guys?" You know. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel like, you know, I so I grew up in Nassau, and we maybe didn't have like alternative rock stations, but somehow this album, like, you know, there'd be like a bunch of dance hall on, and and somebody would throw in like at the end of the night, August and everything afterwards, you know. And so you're like, "Whoa!" Like, yeah, people are like, "Okay, that's a little different." It's not. It's not it just didn't feel cheesy the way a lot of music that tried to, tried to aim there ultimately ended up cheesy, you know? And, and I think that there is something about the lyrics, like you said, I, I thought they were, they're, they're very evocative and, and they, they kind of draw you in. I kind I love the imagery and I love the marriage of the imagery to the sounds that happened with that album. And I don't think that happens a lot. I totally agree. And I think also that, I mean, for me, the lyrics were the first, thing i noticed but then like as i as, as I, I i mean how many times have i listened to august and everything after like hundreds probably but like even like after a year later two years later like musically like the more the better headphones you have listening to that album the more like it reveals itself because like those guys are badass musicians you know actually like and that's um and you is it true that it's like the same kind of is it the same lineup from the 90s that still plays together is that what you said said um i, th- I think it i think there was a few changes my understanding and was that the drummer changed after August and everything afterwards. 
but I think it's been pretty consistent. Um, bunch of guys, and maybe they've added a couple of people, but I think it's a pretty good core group that they've just been playing together for a while. Yeah, and they're so they're so professional and so good. So you and I had a little moment with the second album, the satellites recovering the satellites. It's, it, it came out as when we were freshmen in college and we were in the middle of nowhere. We had to pre-order it. We kind of pre-ordered it from our university bookstore and cut class to like absorb. Yeah. I don't think we were going to wait. I don't think we were going to go to Spanish class with no the option of listening to this music. Yeah, I, everything, we dropped everything to hear the second album, basically <laughs> right. recovering the satellites, um, which I think, which we, we agree that that is a rocking album. I think you are more, you like it more than I do but I like it. You know I mean? Like I can listen to it without like cringing. You know what I mean? So. Um, I think, I think I was probably a little disappointed in it at first. Yeah. Me too. Um, but then I, it's really come around. There's some real strong points in it. And, and I, I think, I think it, it feels like their music coming apart almost, but managing to stay together. You know, I, I don't know. Like there's just weird bits where they're just like almost shred, not, I don't mean shredding it like guitar, but like they're just shredding their whole music thing. And, and maybe the lyrics do get very uh, self-indulgent, but somehow it all just kind of works. I, I, I like it. I, it really I, sticks together as an album, right? Like, I mean, that's like sonically, like, and just like thematically, like it's actually a whole al- album, you know? I mean, you don't feel like yeah. those songs were just pieced together at all, you know? Um, which, is, which is weird because like some of the, a couple of those tracks, um, like Goodnight Elizabeth was they that was a that was like one of the first songs they ever wrote. And that was like they had that out. I and mean, they had there were live versions of that song back when like August and everything after was out. You could hear him, like you heard Con- in fact, I'm pretty sure when I saw Counting Crows on the August and Everything After tour, um, they opened with Goodnight Elizabeth. And like everyone was like, Holy, like what is this song? You know, and, and it, the fans may have heard it, but like it wasn't on an album, you couldn't buy it, you know. And that's kind of like not to jump ahead, but like what makes me a little bit sad about the Counting Crows is that like they know what's up. Like what band goes out there and opens with a song, like a new song that nobody has heard, you know, but they, they were so confident like in their music, you know, and in, in that song. I don't know. It's just the kind of thing you do for your fans. You know what I mean? And I feel like they understood at that time anyway, like who their fans were. But, I think um, they've held on to that. I think that's yeah. why they're still going. Like they, nice. even, even as we age, I, I feel like we've kind of aged out of, the demographic that they're writing music to, you know, like I'm not as confused in life and love and, and drinking every night and regretting it the next day as they seem to continuing to be, you know, like I, I I feel like they're still kind of trying to write that same kind of music maybe. And sometimes I, 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 you know, sometimes I I do wouldn't mind going and tying one on and, and regretting it later, but, it's just not as much fun. You know, it's <laughs> the mornings after are much worse. I mean, you know what I mean? Much worse. Yeah. yeah. But and I still got shit to do. When, yeah, when exactly. that yeah. Got kids. I got mortgage. I got all this stuff. What, right. But like, but that kind of begs the question, like, like why hasn't Duritz matured as a songwriter? Like, I mean, that's not like, does he just have a wheelhouse and it's his bread and butter. And so he just goes back to it at, time after time. But like, don't you think like artistically, like, I guess what I sometimes worry about not to like get ahead of ourselves is that like all the stuff that's happened since like those first two albums, like at a certain point, the, the balance tips, right? Like 
is he just a, like a cheese dick songwriter who never matured past the age of 22 or do those first two albums like make up for any sin he commits after that? You know what I mean? And I, I don't even know. I'm not even sure I have an answer for that. You know, but like, I, I think it, can it be one and the same? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Like I, I really, um, I think, I think I felt a little bit that way when, when we were listening to this, this new album. Yeah. Like, Oh, it's been 25, no, not 25 years, but 20 years since I've really listened to any new Counting Crows music. Okay. So when and did I, you, when did you cut off the, when did you give up on the Counting Crows? Do you remember like the album? What was the last album you were like? So Hard Candy was a big, that, that's it. Um, I'm out. I, I, I put a little bit of effort in and I was like, this is awful. This is really, this, I, when I listened to Hard Candy, I really understood all the criticisms that people had heaped upon them before, you know, like everything was crystallized in the wrong ways with that album. And, and there are a few songs in there that are listenable, but by and large, it's, it's really as, as a, even as a true counting crows fan, I would have to call that painful. It's, um, just it's got your favorite Counting Crows. It's got both of your favorite Counting Crows songs on it, uh, actually, which is uh, the cover of Big Yellow Taxi <laughs> and, and, uh, and Butterfly in Reverse, which you you love both those songs so much. I don't understand it, why you hate that album so much. Oh, my God. No, I, I so you, it's funny you brought up those two songs because there are worse songs on there. Than those? <laughs> um, yeah, I... I think if you want to sum it up, I think the opening guitar lick for, uh, I think it's song number four, maybe. Yeah. If I could give all my love, that opening guitar lick, that, that for me was the breaking point. I was like, I'm out. I, I just can't take it. Can you play it right now or I can fire it up if you want. And I get that that's like a, a, a band reference and I think the band could have pulled it off, but I just dislike it. I, and, and like, there's a whole run of songs that start the song before there's like five songs in a row or, or maybe it was even, I, I don't know. And I just can't get through them. And I, I, I was just like, man, what is going on? What is going on? Um, and Butterfly in Reverse, I think paired you know, right with Goodnight LA. I, it's just a slog to make it through those songs. I, I just can't do it. Yeah. I mean, I think I admire you. I gave up. I don't even know that I listened to, I don't even know that I listened to this desert life all the way through when it came out. I mean, I think I was out and I don't know, I, I should have stuck with them, but I, I, I think I, I bailed, I bailed even before you did on, this, <laughs> on them, you know? So, so we listened to this, the new quote unquote album together a few weeks back and we kind of decided like they were maybe like, three or four tracks and most that you could have really on that album that were any good. And it maybe should have been an EP instead of a full album. And then we kind of came up with this idea that like, what if we put together like one County Crows album since this desert life? Like if there was one County Crows album since this desert life, what would it look like? All the good songs from that point on. So you did your own, your playlist and I did my own playlist. We had some parameters. I think we limited our, we had like 10 or we said 10 tracks, 12 tracks. Yeah, I think between nine and twelve, or nine and twelve, and we that. limited ourselves to two, one or two covers because there's a whole cover album in the middle there too. We had to account for. Yeah, and we're both we're both at eleven. 
We both ended up at 11. Yeah. Um, so let's just like talk about the playlist a little bit. So did you title your playlist? I did it first and I can't remember what I called it. Something horribly pretentious, I'm sure. Uh-huh. Um, but now I think mine is just called, was it worth it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the question. So you and I spent a good 10 days individually on our own going yeah. through the Cat and Crows catalog since this desert life to put together 11 tracks you can listen to without scratching your eyeballs out basically. Right. So, yeah, I think that's um, the, the idea individually and, and your 11 tracks may have been different from my 11 tracks. So, right. Um, so it was kind of cool that like, okay, let's just go through the songs we had in common. Okay. We both have hanging tree. Hanging tree goes in this subgenre of counting crows music. That's like them rocking out about being either drunk or lonely or hungover and lonely. And, and it's all from recovering the satellites, right? So, and I think there's a lot of those in these three or four albums. What is it? Three albums, uh, four albums. And, and Hanging Tree might be the better of that sort of subgenre of Counting Crows music. You're, you're totally right, dude. Hang, Hanging Tree could have definitely been on recovering the satellites. That song would fit perfectly in that album. And like, that's a total, like, when you're talking Counting Crows tropes, like, Hanging Tree is one of them. Like the uh, the rocking drunk hungover song. Like that is that is definitely one of them. Um, we both had. I thought it was interesting. We both had two covers on our playlist, and we both chose one of the same covers, which was the Untitled album. The, I'm sorry, uh, which was the track Untitled Love Song, um, originally by Romney Rye. Uh, another I LA know band. Who that is. Yeah, I've been checking them out since we both chose that song, and they're. Good. I mean, they're like a kind of indie, kind of indie folk Americana band um, from like maybe the late aughts. But uh, but that song is great. I mean, that I mean, and it's funny. We put that song. We both put that song up front. Like my playlist opens with that. And yours is track two, you know, so obviously like a crowd pleaser, you know, like a catch your attention song. Yeah. And I, I think it's like the best song, the best Counting Crows song that they didn't write. You know, Absolutely. like it, it's it's a great Counting Crows song, uh, even lyrically and musically. And I will say, I, I, I had one thought about um, this whole covers record thing. Um, you closed with a cover, uh, which is a Grateful Dead cover, I believe. Well, like, it's a, Bob Dylan, Dylan wrote it. And uh, oh, it? The, yeah, it? The, dead, the Dead did it. The Birds did a pretty good, pretty well-known version of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I had Ooh La La in there. Yeah. And the, this whole album, this whole covers thing, really, I thought, just showed how much fun they can be as a band like ooh la la and and um you ain't going nowhere were just really fun songs and and i was like there's this whole aspect to them that maybe they don't lean into for their original stuff that uh maybe as a live band that's what they try to capture you know and i I thought that that was interesting totally agree i feel like like maybe this is just like the 16 year old me still dreaming, but like, I feel like Adam Duritz like knows what's up. Like he knows music. He knows good music. Like um, when he was uh, in that song, you know, in, in Mr. Jones, you know, there's, there's that song, there's that line, uh, I want to be Bob Dylan, you know, uh, and, right. and Mr. Jones, which is, he was someone just a little more funky, but like in live, like he, he'll substitute different names for Bob Dylan in live shows. And like early on, he was, he would substitute the name Alex Chilton of uh, Big Star. And like, that's a cool reference. Like, that's a badass band. It's a great songwriter. So, and like, and totally their choice of covers are amazing. You know, like he knows, 
what's up. But you're totally right. It just doesn't come through necessarily when they're writing their own songs. Like, right. But I, it, it, I felt it was like a little bit more, like it felt a little more of an expanded album. Like maybe this is there's them stretching their, their legs a bit, you know, I, something about those covers, you know, they just, they sound as happy. Can, can they sound happy? As, yeah. Maybe they're, maybe they're scared to sound happy on the record. I just feel like sometimes they have like their, you know, corporate boss or whatever in their, in their ear all the time saying, you got to be sadder. You know what I mean? You can't write happy music, you know what I mean? Or something. And that's this is the only <laughs> thing, this is the only thing that sells, you know? Right. Um, got them go out and get drunk. Go out and get drunk and break, have a bad breakup. And yeah. Then, <laughs> and, and then you can write an album that'll sell. Okay. Possibility Days. We both had that song on our playlists. Um, that, to me, like, to be perfectly frank, to me, that's the best song the Counting Crows have written since, I don't know, like, at least since Recovering the Satellites. Like, that song is, to me, amazing. Like, I don't know. I was going to mention that as well. I think it's, yeah. it's their best thing. Yeah. But, yeah. It's the best song. Um, so good. And then God of Ocean Tides, we both had as well. Actually, right in the middle of the playlist, kind of put that in the same place. I'm a little, actually, a little lukewarm on it. Um, it's, it's one of their ballads that drags a little bit. Um, sure. It's not quite as bad as some of the things from Hard Candy, but it's fine. It's, it's yeah. totally fine. It's a yeah. solid Counting Crows song, you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. like you're not going to skip it. Like, it's, you know, it's, uh, it has a place, you know? Right. <laughs> and then then we uh, also both had Miami on there. Um, what do you tell me you love this song, right? I do love this song and it, it's surprising that it comes from um from that terrible album. It's just really a great song and and it, it's got everything everything that accounting crows should have. Uh what 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 did you say it it needs to have multiple place references, specific place references. <laughs> uh it's got a girl in it. Um it's got a relationship that's going to end poorly, but somehow it ends with like this big takeoff into some realm of positivity, even though he's told you earlier in the song, it's going to end terribly, but he lets it go. And, and, and it just really, it just really works for me. I, I, I dig it. I, I love the way it builds up. I love the imagery. I felt like they put a little more effort into it. Um, and there's no like cheesy little ticks in it. There's no like little, little, the music stops so they can have like a little whatever four chord guitar riff or four bar guitar riff that that's out of place. Or sometimes he, you know, I find that in his songwriting, he's got these little also like little flourishes that he'll write in that are awful. Um, and Miami doesn't really seem to have any of that. It's just solid. He just got up in the morning and maybe he wasn't hungover and he just wrote a good song. And they, the whole band dug it and they just jammed out on it. And then they got to the end and they just kept going and making it better. And I, I really felt like it worked. I would say that this and Possibility Days are probably my favorites. I, am, I totally agree. For me, like Miami too, just has like a really interesting like melody, like in the way it kind of moves musically is really interesting and like kind of different for Counting Crows. So, I mean, yeah, that's like, yeah, it's, I th- I, I, it's, it's top three for me, for sure, as far as the songs since... And it, it's got a it's it's got a good beat to it too, and it yeah. comes right in on the good beat, you know. Yeah. And you called it a false closer, and on I, my I just, playlist, it's a it closes your playlist, and it's it a does. great closer. But I, I false closed it for me. It's a false closer. It's the song, and then uh, and then it's followed by 
The last song is technically You Ain't Going Nowhere, which would be like, would be like a hidden track. If this was ever like a printed album, like I wouldn't even list You Ain't Going Nowhere on the track titles. It would just be like a hidden track. You know? It would be. Because it, it is actually, when you said that, False Closer is a great false closer because you can just come back down to earth and end with something like something chill. Yeah. Um, and, and I think they did that in Recovering the Satellites, right? Like their big hit was the closing song along December. And then all of a sudden, there's this uh, little divvy of a song, uh, Walkaways, at the end, which is actually pretty cool, the way they did that. And, like, maybe we're old or whatever, but, like, I still appreciate, like, the idea of a, a complete album. You know what I mean? Like, as, like, an artistic expression. I do feel like the Counting Crows have done that. Like, it's a complete sense. It's a complete album. You know? like, um, yeah. Really, even, even in their worst moments, <laughs> there's at least, like, a... There's at least like a point of view and aesthetic you know what i mean so. right now now we had a lot in common so that's what four or five tracks we had in common but um there were some like we had some divisive songs as well like there were some songs on my playlist that you were like no and like at least one on yours where i'm like retrospectively like not a chance but um, <laughs> you hate uh you hate butterfly in reverse so much i i, I just Every time I'm listening to that, there's a whole row of these songs from this album. And there's a couple on their, on this newer album, Somewhere Under Wonderland, where I feel like I'm stuck in the song forever. And the only way that I can get out of it and save my life is to hit skip. Like, I on it, like, and that's why, and it's just like this lilting somewhat beautiful and then somewhat low and then beautiful and then low and it just keeps doing this and and it's almost like and and you can't help but picture someone prancing through a meadow with butterflies and and i just hate it i i just i, I can't i can't make it through that song it, it doesn't bug me but i it uh i kind of just think i like it as a i like it like as a melody um even though it's like Got a tr- it's like every trope the Counting Crows song would have. It's got the girl name like over and over again. And it's Marianne. And it's kind of like a, I feel like it's almost like referencing Leonard Cohen a little bit. Like Leonard Cohen's like few happy songs. Like that song is kind of like, I don't know. I doesn't, I like it. I like it. I mean, you know, but you, you, it gets a lot of love in the forums. Is that what you were saying? It gets some love in it, the forums. It was. So when, when we did this, I, I was like, I, so I was like, oh, there must have been someone else who's listening to Counting Crows. Like, what do people like these days? And, and you, there's not a lot, right? So you end up on Reddit or, or a subreddit of Counting Crows. And, and I get the feeling that all the people who like the newer stuff are pretty much almost the same age we were when we heard the older stuff, right? So like, that's their entrance into it. And they're the right age for it, you know? And, um, but yeah, people love this song. I, it, it's a little weird. I, I don't quite get it, especially... You know, people are like, oh, it's one of my favorite Counting Crows songs, but there's so much, even for those beautiful little melodic um, slow songs, they've got so much better stuff. I, I don't understand how someone could rank that one so high. I mean, I wouldn't say it's my one of my favorite Counting Crows songs, but it is kind of like an earworm, you know? Like, I find myself, like, thinking about the melody a little bit. It kind of gets in your head, you know, and... Uh... Honestly, when, when you just said the word Mary Ann just then, I was yeah. like, stop it, stop it. It's getting, I hate it. I, it's going back. It's coming back. It was like a carousel <laughs> or something. I don't know. I know. It, I, 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 I just feel like someone's prancing around in my brain. <laughs> like, 
a little a little like like just just prancing and and it's bothering me <laughs> so i originally you included uh palisades park off the the quote-unquote new album but um and I originally had it in there as well before I realized I missed the entire album and had to go back and like put in, put in a song. So whatever. Um, it's fine. Uh, but, but I realized after I realized after I put together, like put together a first draft of my playlist that Palisades Park was a trap. Like it was like a honey trap, you know, cause it has like all the elements of like what you might like in a Counting Crow song, but a, Hey, it's nine fucking minutes long. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, this is not, this is not American pie. You know what I'm saying? Like nine minutes is too long. It's too long, you know? And, uh, um, but, and also like, I feel like it's 17 songs put together. Like, like they didn't have enough for one song. So they, I, mean, I don't even, I can't even follow that song. I'm not even sure. Like when, when you took it off, I, I felt like I needed to go back and listen a little more so I could defend it. And then I was like, well, I, I don't really know what it's about. And then even even the the sort of opening bit there with the with the horns and stuff. I mean, I think that's a minute and 30 seconds. And it, it, it maybe it's just a little filler. Like like maybe the album was just too short. So they were like, let's And I think you might be right. Like maybe <laughs> Um but one of the reasons I I probably gave it a little higher is that in those forums I learned that it's one of Adam Dirt's favorite songs that they've written. And I, I was like, okay, well, I'll throw it in there. But I don't. I mean, did he even did he write that song? Did he write like seven songs and then realize like <laughs> they all kind of like were in the same key? That's what I can't figure out. <laughs> but it does. You're right. There are like parts in it that like just change direction all the time. And yeah. and I like that in songs. I mean, I love a, a good song that could do that. But are are they the band to do that? I mean, I guess they've done it before a little bit. Round here changes course a few times. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, but may, maybe they're not there anymore. I don't know. I just I also feel like that I can't think of it right now. But like the way that the chorus to me is like uh, like the main chorus. I can't I can't think of the lyrics right now. But it's almost it doesn't quite get there. It just it feels like it almost it's like the it's like a little bit too little bit too much like John Mellencamp or something. And could it should have should have been more like I don't know you know, Wilco or something like, I don't know. It's just too, it's a little bit too Indiana for me or something. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the a little too Midwest, maybe. I, don't know. I, I can see that. I can see that. But, but, you know, to each his own, you know, to each his own. I mean, you could have like, you know, three possibility days for the space that Palisades Park takes up. You know what I, I, mean? I know. So. And, and you know, what's interesting, what's interesting about possibility days is that it really, I, I like, I love this song. Um, but then it just kind of ends. I yeah. feel like I'm like, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't done with it. Like maybe maybe there was a little something. Maybe they could have gone somewhere with it. I, you know, maybe they should have uh, put that one up front and cranked it up to nine minutes or whatever. You know, <laughs> like what were uh, what were some? Were there any near misses? Like were, were there any songs you were like, ah, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. You know, I, I think you've like, so after Hanging Tree, you've got like dislocation there, right? And yeah. I think that's another great candidate for um, a song that could have gone on recovering the satellites. Sure. Um, you know, Scarecrow is kind of a funny song. Like, I, I, I don't know, like, it, it's not too annoying, but it's got some clever w- wordplay in it. And, and as he sings it, I, I, you know, like, that's a nice song. Yeah. I, I think. 
One of the interesting songs for me is uh, Le Ballet de Or. How do you even say that? Am, am I supposed to say it like a white person or like a French person? <laughs> Just like you can say it like an American. You're fine. You're good. Yeah. So it's <laughs> Le Ballet de Dor. Like, yeah, hey. I don't know. Um, and as far as like Counting Crows ballads go, like I feel like it almost gets sucked into this, like I almost need to skip it. But then it's almost kind of fine. And I think it, it, I think it's mostly fine. Yeah. But then he gets to the part where um, it's, it's just sort of like gnarly. He's got this lyric in the chorus and it, he just like, there's, and it's really different. And I, and I was like, Oh man. Okay. So that's, that's something different and it's something that works for them. And it's something they haven't really explored. And, and I thought that that should be included if for nothing else for that right there. Yeah, if, if I had 12 songs, I, I would have included included that one. Like, that was, like, the last, really, the last cut. You know what I mean? I was like, this is, it's a good song, you know. Um, it could have been on there, for sure. Totally agree. Totally agree. And that's our show. Thanks so much to Matt McCoy for talking with me. Uh, you've been listening to the introduction to the Counting Crows song, Elvis Went to Hollywood, off Hard Candy. You can... Learn more about the A440 podcast at a440pod.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And again, my new novel is Coyote Loop, available uh, from your independent bookstore or amazon.com. Tune in next week for a episode two, part two of this Counting Crows conversation. We're going to look into a little bit about the legacy of the Counting Crows and uh, what they might have done differently and what the future may still hold for this band. <laughs> All right, all. Take care. Let's jam again soon. November promises, it seems, are broken February.